Lights in the darkness glint on a lens. Close up of a doctor, mouthing words. White letters on a black screen. In the early 1980s, John Hull lost his sight. John walks down a corridor, loads a cassette, presses record. He began keeping an audio diary. This is cassette one, track one, notes on blindness. July the 5th, 1984. What happens to the brain when optic stimulation ceases? I am concerned to understand blindness. Film print disintegrates. The pictures in the gallery of my mind have dimmed somewhat, so I could no longer remember easily what my wife looked like or what my daughter Imogen looked like. His wife, Marilyn. I began to be terribly afraid that I would lose you. John's a thin, distant shadow in the whiteness. Everything was drifting away. How could this happen to me? Who had the right to deprive me of the sight of my children at Christmas time? A tape spools. Darkness. John's son Thomas runs through dunes towards the sun. As a young boy, Tom removes John's glasses, fumbles through curtains for an opening. In a field, Marilyn hugs John. Quote, revelatory cinema. Now I find that there's been a strange kind of change in the state of my brain. There is something so totally purging about blindness that one either is destroyed or renewed. Rain falls indoors. A tsunami engulfs the Isle of a supermarket. I think I am beginning to understand what it's like to be blind. A beach is swallowed by darkness. Notes on blindness. Hello, everybody. Welcome to Blind Living Radio. I'm Harley Thomas in studio again with Deborah. Hi, Deborah. Hi, Harley. How are you? Good. I love to be in studio with Deborah Ambro Crandall. I have your name right, finally. You did, finally. Good for you. It's taken me way too long. Kudos. Kudos? Kudos. You know, we have a lot of fun today. I think we're going to have a great discussion. We just listened to some audio about a really amazing film called Notes on Blindness. It was a fantastic film. And you know who we're going to talk to today? Yes. Who? We're going to talk to the director. Yes, Peter Middleton. Yes. very excited to get him on the phone. Let's call him. And he is across the pond. He is across the pond. So why don't we dial him up now? Let's do it. Hello? Hi, Peter. It's Harley Thomas with Blind Living Radio. How are you today? Oh, very good. Yeah, thank you so much, Harley. How's things over there? Things are wonderful. Thank you for taking some time today to talk about your newest film, Notes on Blindness. I'm in studio, actually, with Deborah Ambrose Crandall. Hello, Peter. How are you? Very good, yeah. Hi, how are you? I am well. Your film is fabulous, and uh, we're just going to start asking you some questions. Well, before we do that, he's never met you, Deborah. Oh, I should tell you that the film really hit me in a sweet spot. I am also a blind woman, and... It was really cool to see such a fantastic film about those of us who are blind and visually impaired. And Peter, Deborah lost her sight, not that late in life, but you had vision for a while and then your sight deteriorated. Yeah, beginning when I was about 16. So the film really, really talks to her. 
It does. It definitely does. Similar kind of experience to, to John, uh, the subject of our film. Yeah, fascinating. Yep. Yeah. Peter, maybe you can tell us, why did you choose John Hull as your focus of the film? Right. Yeah. I mean, well, five years ago or so, myself and my co-director, James Spinney, were researching various kind of first-person um, testimonies on the blind experience. And we came across this really incredible book, um, a book that had published in the early 1990s that was um, based on these audio diaries that he'd kept prior to that. Um, over the course of sort of three years or so, um, John having the sort of the jumping off point and, and that began a process where um, ended up with a you know, 90 minute kind of feature film um, which, which, which uses his, which tells his story. Peter, did you guys set out to do a feature film or a short film and it turned into a feature film? Well, John's story is such a kind of internal one. It, it deals very much with the effect of sightless on his dreams, on his memory, on his kind of imaginative life. And we were um, trying to find a, a way to kind of access this kind of interior world of blindness, I suppose. And increasingly, we, we, we thought that the, we found that the kind of conventional tools of documentary were perhaps a little bit um, not so well suited to try and access this, this journey. And so we ended up with us developing a, a process of using actors who kind of lip-sync along to John's original testimony. But to help us kind of demonstrate this kind of creative approach, I suppose, we, we began taking individual passages from, from, from the diaries and making a series of short films. And they kind of got progressively longer. We made a short three-minute film initially, and then the New York Times got involved and commissioned a longer piece, a sort of 12-minute piece that came out at the beginning of 2014. And then that allowed us to get the kind of momentum and support together to, to make the feature film, which premiered at, at Sundance Film Festival uh, back in, in January and is, uh, is opening in, across the U.S. Uh, from um, the 16th of November. And Peter, it actually was at the Milwaukee Film Festival where we're located in Milwaukee, Wisconsin, and I think they had three showings of the film, which is kind of unusual. Yeah, indeed they did. Um, that was last month, right? Um, yeah. And uh, yeah, I mean, we unfortunately we couldn't make it over. We were toying with it, but yeah, we couldn't we couldn't quite make the dates right. But it sounded like a really fantastic festival, and um, yeah, and, and we're watching it from afar. Yeah, it's played in Milwaukee, it played in San Francisco, and, and a little film festival in, in, in Chicago as well. So it's done a few sort of trips across the states, and, and you know, U.S. audiences are uh, always kind of really engaged and give a brilliant reception. So yeah, we've been yeah really buoyed by the support it's had so far. How long did it take you to? film and edit the film so we began the actual kind of shooting about from july last year and we had a couple of months to actually kind of film it but in effect james and i have been kind of working on it for the best part of working with this material and trying to fashion it and shape it into a into a kind of coherent narrative i suppose for the best part of three years and that was kind of an ongoing process and we were constantly kind of chipping away at it but then the deadlines really stacked up against us. We finished shooting at the beginning of October last year. We only had three weeks to get our kind of a pretty a fairly polished edit together to show to, to Sundance, the festival there, because they kind of programmed things a couple of months in advance. That's so not that a was lot quite of time. kind of conflated. Wow. Not a lot of time, no, no. <laughs> but, I mean, we were, yeah, we had a fantastic team of people working on it. Very, uh, a wonderful editor, a guy called Jules Quantrill, and a wonderful cinematographer and, and production designer. And everybody really kind of pulled together, and it was tight, but it was, you know, we, we, it seems to have gone to plan so far. Shooting it in kind of a, I'll call it an unconventional manner, with more like a bunch of shorts and then turning it into a longer feature film. 
Was that a challenge or did that really benefit you, especially in the editing part? Yeah, I mean, it definitely helped us kind of interrogate the material and, and try and understand and test things out and see see what worked and what didn't work, um, as well as kind of allowed us to kind of gather our, our kind of key operators, these, um, yeah, our, our cinematographer and so forth, and, and experiment over over a longer period, really. And yeah, I think I think it's difficult to assess whether or not it, it, it benefited it overall, um, but it, it seems to have worked so far. Yeah, Deborah, you and I were talking before we dialed in about the feeling that the film left us with. Yep. And you had one particular scene that you were talking about. There was. There was one scene that very much touched my own experience with sight loss. There's a point where John and his family go to Australia to visit his family, and he's sitting mm -hmm. on a swing with his mom, and he hears one of his young children scream in pain. And he gets up and kind of walks through a field of grass to go help his child. And I'm going to not say the exact quote, but he says something along the lines of how horrifying it is to find out that you are essentially useless. And that very much resonated with me as a mom, too, because when you can't see your child and you hear them crying, it's hard to uh, jump in and help out. Yeah, of course. The, the, the scene you described happened a couple of years into John's kind of John's journey, into the first first couple of years after first losing uh, sight. And I think that time was a was was a huge kind of adjustment of of yeah assessing what what you know all these things which you kind of take to take for granted or that he had previously taken for granted in his relationship with with his children and and being a parent and so forth. Um, and that was a very kind of painful process of adjustment for him it's been funny with uh, i mean actually john's children in the film they're very young in the early 1980s they're all kind of grown up now we've spent we've been fortunate enough to spend some time with them throughout the throughout the last few years in fact they're, they're kind of my age strangely enough and it's it's funny speaking to them about memories of their father and 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 how john was as a father um and of course he did a fantastic job actually of shielding all this from them, this pain and, and inner kind of, yeah, in this kind of rupture, I suppose. And, and, and they actually remember him being very gregarious, very kind of uh, playful and being a fantastic dad. And, and, and John was in, in his diaries is constantly, constantly wrestling with this. He describes it as almost a feeling of kind of almost impotency, which actually the, the children's memory of, of how he was as a father at all. So, yeah, but there was, there was a number of these little incidents that were incredibly painful for him. Peter, you were able to put together a film that creates all kinds of emotions for, I think, sighted people. Deborah watched it with uh, audio description. And were you trying to target the film to people with sight or people that may have lost their sight, like Deborah? Absolutely. I mean, I would say there's there's a human experience to this that supersedes blindness itself. I think it's beneficial for sighted and blind. I think that it's it was hard. It was a hard film to watch in a lot of ways for me because... It was kind of bringing up all of those painful pieces of losing your sight. But I think for sighted people, watching John, they would probably see him as having a hell of a lot of fortitude and strength. Absolutely, yeah. I mean, John, to answer whether, whether or not the film is sort of sighted or, or, or blind audiences, I mean, John was always kind of at pains to, to be clear that he didn't kind of speak 
or on behalf of anybody. You know, he he, he very much um, was of the school of thought that you know blindness is a very individual experience, and as individual as as, as the people who um, who indeed lose sight themselves. So, in the forward to the book, he, he makes it clear that what, one of the things he was trying to do was sort of communicate sightless experience and to reach out across the, the divide and bring, bring people together and actually just help kind of show understanding really and if we can if we could communicate um, something of the sightless experience to the sighted then then in, in that sense um, his, his work would have been worthwhile but um, yeah and, 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 and sadly John passed away before the end of filming um, in fact a couple of weeks into the production when we first started so uh, otherwise he would have been you know a fantastic kind of uh, character to help us kind of um, explain and, and promote the film but he was he was a wonderful character and, and had a wonderful kind of outlook on life um, and and did have those those, those qualities of, of um, yeah of fortitude as you say but also um, he was he was just wonderful company and um, you know once he'd moved through the the period of uh, of of, of, of sight loss and adjusted to that, um, he, he really did experience what, what was for him a kind of um, a blooming of his character, um, and 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 he did yeah he, he did very much find himself at peace with, with blindness. And he described it as an irritation more than anything else in his last years. And Peter, the title of the film is Notes on Blindness, and you are one of the directors, Peter Middleton. As you went through the filming, you shot a little bit, then you shot a little more and did a little more and then created this beautiful feature film. Are there some things you learned along the way that had a positive effect on the outcome of the film? Or did you change and have to shift a little bit midstream to say, we really want to go here to tell John's story? Yeah, good question. I mean, it was um, it was you know it was a long kind of gestation period, really, and and, and very as with any kind of film of this sort of scale, I suppose you know a lot of the decisions that you make quite early on affects the the course of the production. Um, but there was definitely a point, I suppose, mid mid summer once once film got underway that, that things began to kind of get locked down. But we were we felt we were always in good hands. You know, we were we always had John's kind of testimony to to work with and it is an incredible story and he was a fantastic storyteller and and the way that he was able to communicate the sightless experience was yeah was was kind of endlessly fascinating for us and, and we always felt like there was this kind of wealth of, of archive of this resource for us to draw upon hey peter i have a quick question when i watched the film i watched it with audio description which was fantastic are there any other accessibility tricks or new methods that you've used in this film? Ah, oh, yeah. Thank you for the question. We've um, we've been working very closely with some of the leading practitioners and, and researchers in, in in Europe, along with one of the UK leading um, blindness charities, the Royal National Institute for the Blind, to try and pioneer and, and, and showcase some new approaches to accessibility, or, uh, which go beyond audio description. So we've released the film with a couple of different audio described soundtracks for one, um, but another approach we've taken is something we've been calling enhanced sound design, which rather than relying on a kind of external narrator, as you would have for audio description, instead has more narration from our subjects of the film, John and Marilyn, who, in, in effect, rather than literally uh, describing the action, they sort of narrate, um, uh, there's more narration that sort of tonally coheres with the, the story, uh, as well as additional sound um, effects and smoothing out sound transitions. In fact, the way we went about it was to, 
to edit the audio with the picture off so it would work as a kind of coherent 90-minute sound piece. And we're hoping to put on screenings of that in the in the US and cinemas. We did some of those in the UK when we released here in in, in, in July. Um, and we've also been partnering with a, a smartphone app, which allows audiences to to sync up um, different different soundtrack options to their smartphone device, and then listen to that be it at home um, on DVD or on television or in the cinema itself. So yeah, lots of different ideas around accessibility that are that are listed on our website either at www.notesonblindness.co.uk or www.blindnessmovie.com in the US. That's fantastic. Those are things that I have not heard of. Deborah, are you familiar with with the app? Peter, what's the name of that app? So it's called Movie Reading, um, and there's some links to it on our on our website. And um, it's it's still still being trialed actually in 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 the UK, but it's available and and, and well worth experiencing. It's quite remarkable technology. Yeah, it, it sort of syncs up. It uses I don't know if you have Shazam in the US. It sort of allows you to sort of allows you to sync up with the audio, and therefore where, wherever you are in the film, it, it will um, it will keep keep a pace and and it will pipe it effectively sort of pipe the the audio description track into the headphones. It's it's yeah, it's quite remarkable, and and, and hopefully this is the the beginning of this kind of technology is beginning to take root and, and we'll certainly be doing what we can to try and spread the word when it comes to the U.S. And Peter, I believe your film has won some awards around the world. What are some of the key <laughs> awards that you guys have walked away from? You guys must have hardware for right. all these events. <laughs> well, we've, yeah, we've been very fortunate. I mean, just yesterday, actually, they announced the British Independent Film Awards for uh, amazingly up to sort of six, uh, six awards. Uh, nominated six awards here for that, which is um, is incredible. And, and when we were in the states earlier on in the year, we won a uh, special jury award at uh, the San Francisco Film Festival. So yeah, we've been very fortunate to, um, yeah, that the audiences have responded so positively to John's story. Congratulations! Yes, it's a, congratulations. It's a great story topic, but you gentlemen put it together in a most wonderful way. And Peter, I hate to uh, say it, but we're we're out of time today on Blind Living Radio. Uh, Thank you so much for for your interest and taking the time to speak with us. Can you share with us one more time the website? Yeah, in in the US, I believe it's www.blindnessmovie.com. Well, you guys have done a fantastic job on this film. And do you have any other disability films coming out? <laughs> um, well, actually, one little thing which which is accessible um, through our website is a is a short film which we actually made. Which kind of picks up the story from Notes and Blindness. It's, it's only a 12-minute short film, um, which, which one of the key characters of the film is John Taylor's daughter, uh, Imogen, who, who was his only child to have known him when he was both sighted and after he lost his sight. And it sort of caps, recaps the last couple of decades of John's life, and she talks very eloquently and very beautifully about her father. Um, and so, yeah, if, if people are interested in checking that out, that's also audio described and, and available on our website. And if you've watched the film and you've been wondering what John has been up to for the last couple of decades, that hopefully fills in some of those gaps. That is awesome. We have had so much fun talking to you, Peter. Deborah, this was a great show. This I had was, a lot of fun with this one. It was amazing. Thank you so much, Peter. We appreciate it. Again, we're joined on the phone by Peter Middleton, director of Notes on Blindness, an award-winning film. You can learn more about it by visiting the website blindnessmovie.com. I'm Harley Thomas for Blind Living Radio. In studio with... Deborah Ambro Crandall. And Thank we will all. talk to you all next week. Thanks, everybody. 
Thanks for listening to and supporting Blind Living Radio. You can support Industries for the Blind by ordering any of our products from blind-made.com. That's blind-made.com. Blind Living Radio is brought to you by HP ink and toner cartridges, precision engineered to work together with your HP printer. Hi, my name is Peter Middleton. I am one of the directors of Notes on Blindness, and you are listening to Blind Living Radio.